following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Now you're getting in my wheelhouse. Tom Petty and the late George Harrison and the still living Jeff Lynn Bob Dylan Bob Dylan yeah there's there's his voice so you can't tell Bob Dylan's voice apart from Tom Petty's (laughs) no you can't Okay. We have Adarsh Mashru in the studio. Good morning, Adarsh. Good morning, Tom. And and that was my uh, favorite uh, traveling Wilbury song. Yes. Love that song. Yeah, it's quite good. And uh, they didn't have many albums out. Uh, they maybe had one or two albums. They had two albums out, and I can't remember what the first album, like Roy Orbison just died. Um, like either once they completed the first album or maybe completed a few songs. Yeah. I, can't, I can't remember what the timeline was, but it happened pretty quick Yes, with Roy. And then they had uh, going to the end of the line on the next one, and the video shows – an empty rocking chair for mm. uh, for Roy Orbison. You remember that? Yeah, I do. So, by the way, speaking of Roy Orbison, I think it was in the last year, and I can't remember what I can't remember if it was on Fox or CNN. I, I'll have to find out for you. But there, there's a show about what family members when they die, what they leave to their children, and this one centered around Roy Orbison's children and how. They went back and found some old recordings and redid it and everything, and it's really neat uh, going back through his archives. And, and they're just sitting there saying, we didn't even know he had some of the stuff. And I'll have to dig that up for you. You'd like it. Yeah, I would. Very I'd cool. like to see it. With stock market in lull, all right, let me kind of clear the decks here. We're Dupree Financial Group. We 
handle um, retirement accounts, investment accounts for people who are looking to retire or who may have already retired. We invest in such a way as to pay out dividends and income to these folks. Um, when we discuss companies or investment uh, uh, procedures on, on this show, we're not giving advice per se. We're simply trying to illuminate for our listeners uh, the way that we uh, think when we're investing for them. So make sure you understand that this is not considered uh, advice, although some people can't help but look at it that way. With stock market and lull, investors pin hopes on earnings boom. You know, this is uh, – we go through this every quarter. Uh, it's a Wall Street Journal article about investors pinning hope on earnings boom. Second quarter earnings season just started. Why do earnings matter? Do earnings ultimately drive stock prices? How will tariffs affect earnings? Which sectors are reporting the best earnings growth? So, Adarsh, um, I mean, really, earnings, so what? Do they really matter? Yes, uh, that's the simple answer. Uh, and the reason they matter is because ultimately the price of a stock is determined by uh, its earnings. The price of a stock is determined by its earnings, and the value of a stock is determined by its ability to generate earnings uh, in the future. But what about book value? It's also a function of earnings. If you have high earnings, your book value goes up. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Right, if you, if you retain earnings. Yes, so ultimately a company exists to generate earnings, cash flow, uh, which is also uh, a form of earnings. Uh, so earnings do matter a great deal. And in the last few years, you know, when we've looked at individual stocks, when we've looked at the stock market as a whole, uh, the stock markets have always looked expensive, you know, relative to where they were in the past. Right. And uh, in the last year, uh, we've started seeing an acceleration in earnings and valuations are starting to look more um, uh, reasonable as a result, uh, which, you know, we've talked about uh, in the past that earnings can make uh, valuations, you know, go up or down, just like prices can make valuations look more che uh, cheaper or more expensive. So now earnings are accelerating, and, and that's that's very good for companies. So earnings are what? I mean, you know, uh, let's just make it real simple for people who uh, maybe don't follow this. Let's say a company does uh, $2 billion in sales. Does it have $2 billion worth of earnings? I mean, they, they, they did that much in sales. What are, what are the earnings? So when we say earnings, we refer to uh, their profits, which is the bottom line. So if a company has $2 billion in sales, after that you deduct their cost of sales, you know, so the cost of producing the items that they sold, the the cost of running the company, yeah, uh, overhead, SDNA. Yes, and after deducting all that, after paying taxes, 
after depreciation, uh, the the bottom line figure is the earnings. Now, we also look at uh, another metric, which is the cash flow. Uh, and the cash flow gives you a picture of the actual cash that comes in uh, into uh, the company's doors versus uh, earnings can sometimes be uh, unclear in the sense that a lot of companies may record earnings for things which have been sold or which have been committed to be right. sold but haven't really received. Earnings can is susceptible to uh, manipulation by their accountants. Yes, and there are all kinds of accounting rules which help you uh, change, you know, so... Last year, we had this big tax package, and as a result, companies that had deferred uh, tax liabilities could reduce those liabilities, and hence their earnings increased, whereas companies that had deferred tax assets had to take a write-down on those assets, and their earnings decreased. So really, there was no cash uh, change. Uh, all that happened was a tax law uh, changed, and hence uh, their earnings changed. So... We pay attention to the earnings figure, but we also try to uh, decipher what's causing uh, that earn or what's behind that earnings figure. So we also pay attention to cash flow. Right. U.S. corporations have managed to continue growing their earnings even as the outlook of the U.S., including the Eurozone, has increasingly cooled. The U.S. is the only region, region where analysts are raising earnings estimates more than they are lowering them, according to Bank of America Merrill Lynch. And of the 20 companies in the S&P that have shared results so far, 90% have posted stronger than expected earnings. Why is this, that uh, the U.S. is doing better uh, than other parts of the world? It's a, I'd say it's a confluence of uh, different factors. Um, more recently, you know, we've seen this big uh, tax cut, which has uh, boosted uh, sentiment, both consumer and business sentiment, and we are starting to see the impact of that. But even otherwise, you know, if you look at what happened over the last 10 years, you know, take a step back and see that there was a major uh, financial crisis. The U.S. was the quickest to respond to that financial crisis in terms of things that were done post the financial crisis. Right. And the U.S. was also the quickest to recover from that financial crisis where, you know, there were a few very tough years, but after that, companies started recovering, started hiring again. Uh, and now we are at a point where unemployment has been coming down. Um, inflation is still not very high. And there's tremendous pent-up demand. There was, you know, consumption which was put on hold post the financial crisis by uh, consumers. And there was business spending that was also put on hold by right. businesses. So businesses weren't incurring capex or up upgrading their machinery or upgrading technology. And now they're at a point. Have we moved into a capex boom? Uh, we are probably not at the peak, but we are ex experiencing more and more capex and a lot of that capex is going towards tech upgrades. So we, that's why part of the reason why we are seeing tech companies do so well. Uh, companies are investing massively into upgrading their, uh, you know, systems. They're investing in AI, in into, uh, uh, you know, automation, all kinds of things. So uh, all these factors have come uh, together, and we are, you know, at a point where um, inflation is not high. 
which means that uh, monetary policy is accommodative. There is money out there to borrow. Right. Money is cheap. It's not as expensive yep. as uh, it has been in the past. Consumer uh, is optimistic. Oil prices are lower than where they have been. You know, taxes have are going down this year. So a lot of these factors have come together, and sentiments are just uh, bullish. And ultimately, it is you know sentiment which drives both consumer spending and business investment. Uh, so, uh, despite all the fears of tariffs and how tariffs will impact, earnings are still strong. Uh, all the you know uh, studies that they've done on the impact of tariffs, as of now, show that any uh, uh, tariffs being a tax, essentially. Yes, uh, earnings. There were two uh, studies which were done by Bank of America and Goldman Sachs, and both of them came to the conclusion that even if tariffs uh, take hold, the ultimate impact to earnings will be uh, in the range of 3 to 5%, which is not very high. Uh, yeah. So as of now, earnings are driving uh, the stock markets. We saw the NASDAQ make a new all-time high yesterday. We saw the Russell 2000, which is the small cap index of small cap stocks, make a new high uh, just recently. Uh, and the S&P and the Dow are pretty close to their all-time highs. Right. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. The news you want to know. My texts. Repeat that again. No, no, he's not. We'll stop it. To him, that isn't bias. The news. We accomplished a lot with NATO. You need to know. The streets of London. UK leaves the European Union. Just make sure we can trade together. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree, Jr. Our firm, Dupree Financial Group, has been engaged in the management of retirement investment accounts of our clients for nearly 14 years. My personal time in the investment business spans 40 years. We bring experience to the table in managing your retirement dollars. If you would like a seasoned and experienced manager to handle your investment portfolio, then give us a call. To schedule a complimentary review of your retirement investments, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 or send an email to info at dupreefinancial.com. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays at 7 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. Okay, this one was from their second album, which was actually labeled Volume Three. Yeah, because they never put out a second album. So it was Volume Three. They had a Volume, volume One and Volume Three. They had Volume One and Volume Three. So technically, Volume Three should have been Volume Two. 
they didn't like that number two is an unlucky number. Hey, you can't discredit them for not having a little creativity in the yeah. story of the Wilburys. By the way, that show I was telling you about is called uh, Strange Inheritance. It's on Fox Business. Okay. <laughs> the The episode's entitled Roy Orbison's Lost Song. Yeah. Very cool. Back on the Tom Dupree show, oil's new technology spells end of boom for roughnecks. Uh, after 20 years in the oil and gas industry, Eric Neese was used to its booms and busts. He wasn't surprised when he was laid off by GE Oil and Gas in 2015 after oil prices plummeted. He figured his job would come back when prices crept back up. He was almost right. The work came back, but Mr. Neese's former job as a well logger measuring well conditions thousands of feet underground was gone. Those duties are increasingly being seen over being overseen remotely and handled by automation. So the it it sounds to me that uh, the staple of the oil and gas business, the roughneck, the logger, the people that figure out what's going on down in the oil well, uh, is is gone. Right, and uh, it's being replaced by technology, um, automation. And uh, machines and computers are, are able to do it now, and this this is nothing new. I mean, this has happened throughout, you know, history. I guess I, I don't know if you can go that far back, but every time te- technology's made progress, uh, we've seen, you know, old jobs being replaced with. As of now, we don't know what jobs will replace these jobs, but we've seen job displacement where jobs have been lost to technology and we are starting to see that in uh, the the oil industry so on the flip side uh, it's good for oil companies which have which took a big blow you know after oil prices uh, collapsed in 2014 and 15 uh, and now they're able to do the same thing that they did uh, at, at a much lower um, cost so um, Technology is replacing these jobs and it's becoming extremely important, not just for people who are, you know, uh, seeking jobs or who are coming into the workforce, but even for governments and politicians to try to figure out how to, uh, you know, create policies that will, you know, help people uh, transition into other uh, jobs. Uh, NGOs. And just policymakers you know yeah uh, if if jobs are lost to technology you know how do you position the workforce yeah. to find gainful employment yes otherwise you'll have an angry workforce uh, and you know uh, that result in uh, politicians you know being thrown out so it's something that uh, you know politicians are also worried about yeah yeah I saw a thing on uh, uh the Smithsonian Channel the other night, uh, which I didn't know the Smithsonian even had a channel, but it was about uh, the uh, worker riots in the 1930s when uh, uh, the uh, Depression sidelined uh, Ford Motor. They had to lay off two-thirds of their workers, and the workers came back and demanded that they be rehired, and there was uh, violence, right? that sort of thing. Or uh, the, the Luddites, you know, who... Uh, get angry about the new technology and and, and uh, the, yeah they destroyed uh, I guess it was in Leeds 
uh, where it was either Leeds or Manchester, I forget, but they went and destroyed machinery because machinery was taking Dis- their... Displacing people. Yes. So that sort of thing could be happening in the oil business, but it is, is not. These people simply have to figure out how to... Uh, how to get gain uh, employment, uh, regardless. Yes, and the article goes on to talk about how some of these people are actually uh, finding uh, upgrading their skills. You know, going back to school or getting into different programs, upgrading their skills, and moving on to much better paying jobs. So, right. so that that is also possible. Where we have an economy that's shifting because of technology but there are other jobs which are being created and if people are willing to upgrade their skills which is no easy task especially say you are someone who is in their 50s 60s who's been doing something for such a long time it's not easy to go out there and change your skills and uh, start doing something else but a few people have been doing that uh, and uh, they've moved on to jobs which are higher paying and safer than some of the jobs that that they've been doing. Right. So, um, you know, we have dislocation in the economy. As long as you have an economy, you're going to have dislocation because people are going to find a way to uh, upset and basically change industries that have been existing for some time and uh, these are iconoclastic type of uh, entrepreneurs. They, they're called uh, displacers or uh, disruptors. And this thing kind of thing goes on throughout industry. One of the things that we try to do at Dupree Financial Group is kind of keep an eye on disruptive sort of forces that might cause companies that we're invested in to be displaced. Right. And... That's happening more and more, um, and I was reading uh, an interesting statistic, but 50 years ago there were, you know, only so many stocks in the S&P 500 that were getting replaced, yep. and today there are many more, so every few years the S&P We'll be back in a moment. Hey, honey, did you check the mail? Yeah, let's see, bills, bills, wedding invite from Jim at work, start marriage. Oh, look, Valpac's here. Hey, we just won $100. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. So awesome. Look inside your Valpak envelope and there may be a $100 check inside. No strings attached. 100 bucks right inside your Valpak, just for opening. Plus other great savings for dining, entertainment, and shopping local in your neighborhood. Who knew saving money with Valpak could mean winning money too? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Odds of winning are 1 in 50,000. HelpWantedLexington.com presents the world's worst boss. The one who posts jobs on huge national job sites. Looking for anyone with a pulse. We'll just call him Dave. Team, I recently learned that a good boss has to know how to delegate. What? That means I get to have other people do the things I don't want to do. So from now on, Tina, you'll be driving me to work. <gasps> Bill, here's my laundry. Jack, talk to my wife when she calls. Remember, you have to pretend you're interested or she gets really mad. Don't work for a Dave. Find a boss you can respect. One who's looking for great and local talent at helpwantedlexington.com. Local jobs that work. The PGA Tour is coming to Lexington. See some of the finest golfers from around the world compete in the Barbasol Championship. Get up close and personal to golf greats July 16th through the 22nd at Champions at Keen Trace. Get your tickets now by visiting barbasolchampionshipky.com. It's the countdown to the Barbasol Championship as the PGA comes to the Bluegrass. For tickets, parking passes, and a complete schedule of events, go to barbasolchampionshipky.com. 
Trump in Scotland for the weekend at his golf resort and preparing for his Monday meeting with Vladimir Putin. Democratic leaders, though, along with some Republicans, are calling on the president to cancel the summit after a grand jury indicted 12 Russian operatives, accusing them of hacking the election in 2016. ABC News political analyst Kristen Soltis Anderson says this is an opportunity for though for the president to take a firm stand. The president needs to be tough when it comes to, to Vladimir Putin because as we have seen with this indictment and as we've known for the last many months as the intelligence community has said over and over uh, this wasn't just a couple rogue Russians deciding they wanted to meddle in the election for fun. These were intelligence operatives who were directed almost certainly from the highest levels. The president says he will ask Putin about Russian election meddling in the future elections. Serena Williams looking to win her eighth Wimbledon title in the women's finals set to begin in the next hour. She'll take on Germany's Angelique Kerber. I'm Michelle Franz in ABC News. It is a steamy Saturday across much of the region. We'll see temperatures today into the upper 80s and low 90s. More humidity will make you feel a little toastier than that. Watch out for a scattered thunderstorm or two. Better storm chances later Sunday. Highs back into the upper 80s. Early next week, we'll see thunderstorm chances increase as temperatures start to decrease. I'm WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24 7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP and iHeart Radio Station. At CarMax, when we say we buy all the cars, we mean it. Over the last 20 years, we've purchased millions of cars from coast to coast. In the last year alone, we bought a mountain of Mercury's, an armada of Nissan's, a ton of Titans, an ocean of Pacifica's, and a sea of Sienna's. Not to mention a few Hellcats and a couple of Tornadoes. So no matter what you're selling, CarMax is buying. And we'll buy your car even if you don't buy ours. CarMax. We buy all the cars. 9,997. No, no, no. Suppose Thomas Edison had given up. 9,998. But his failures only led him to the next idea. 9,999. Picture Times Square, dim, mm. Las Vegas, dark, your home, black. Picture no electric light. 10,000. Come on, come on. <laughs> Optimism. Pass it on from the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Are you putting your retirement savings in a 401k, IRA, or investment account? Then I have one word of advice. Stop. Experts warn of a stock market crash any day now, and you could lose 50% or more of your hard-earned savings again. But you don't have to lose a penny. There's a better, safer way to save for retirement, and you can learn about it in a free report. This method continues to grow your money even when the market tumbles. To get this free report, go to bankonyourself.com. That's bankonyourself.com. Bankonyourself.com. 630 WLAP. She was long and tall She was the queen of them all Last night Thinking about last night <laughs> I 
This is a Will Berry song, isn't it? Right. A little different. Yep. More of a Tom Petty song. Really. It's got a little, uh, little reggae feel to it. Yeah. Some good news for pension plans. Back on the Tom Dupree show. You know, um, I wrote an article for uh, a local publication about five years ago. And I still stand by what I said in the article. And what I said in the article was that the reason that pension plans are having trouble is because of interest rates being low. Um, the, the low level of interest rates is causing... Pension assets to not be able to earn the projected number that they need to earn in order for the pension plan to be able to pay out as it's promised. And that's still the case. Yes, the 10-year Treasury has moved up from 2.4 to 2.8, but that's not enough because many pension plans were set up uh, where they projected 7 to 8% return year in, year out. And a lot of that has to come from bonds. And bonds are paying nowhere near that. So I would argue that fixed pension plans are still in deep, deep, deep trouble because they're not going to be able to pay out at the rate that they expected. Now, last year notwithstanding, um, if you were buried deep into the index, uh, you had a great year that can actually outperform two or three years of 8%. But you're not getting that kind of return this year, and you can't plan on the indexes returning those kind of numbers for you year in, year out. You have to look at bonds and long-term bonds simply, uh, you know, if you're getting 8% on a long-term bond, you're below investment grade. And most pension plans are not allowed to invest in below investment grade securities. So, um, you know, this article by Randall Forsyth says that uh, <clears throat> you're getting uh, a little bit better return on longer-term bonds. But... Uh, and the Treasury yield has more than doubled in, in a two-year span from 1.35 to 2.85. And certainly the U.S. is highest among developed nations in the world in terms of the interest rate that it's paying. I mean, you know, in Switzerland, you're still barely getting uh, 1%, maybe not even 1%. So, you know, it's, it's a big problem. It is, and as you correctly said and as you wrote in that article you know ultimately it's uh, interest rates that'll save pensions 
Now, if uh, rates go up, then pensions pensions use what's known as the discount rate, which is basically the rate at which they discount, uh, you know, future value, present value of future um, payouts. Right. So, in, in order to pay out a certain amount in the future, they have to have a certain amount invested in the present. And with interest rates being low, it's hard to make that smaller present amount be a larger amount in the future. But if interest rates do move up, and they have moved up, uh, as it talks about in the article over the last two years, but again, as you said, they'll have to be significantly higher before uh, it has a meaningful uh, impact. So pension uh, funds, you know, have a tough task on their hands, you know, Part of their investments are in equities that have done well. Part of their investments are in what's known as alternative investments, which is your hedge funds, balance funds, uh, you know, commodities and things. Private inv- uh, private, equity. private equity. Uh, which really in the last few years hasn't done all that well. Um, right. So uh, if interest rates go up, then investing in uh, safer uh, bonds uh, is the best way for pension funds to uh, yeah, you know. but we're nowhere near really getting to that at this. I don't think interest rates are going to go that high. We're not going to get back to where we're paying seven percent on an A-rated bond. Yes, yeah. So Just, that's not happening, and it won't happen yeah. anytime soon. Um, so it, it has happened in the course of my career. Right. Right. Know. So uh, yeah, it's still a difficult task, and uh, you know, pension funds will try to do all kinds of things you know I, I don't know how every pension is invested differently a lot of corporate pensions are invested in their own stocks also uh, which really hurt GE but it's helped some other companies right. so uh, you know a combination of uh, investing in stocks and bonds uh, especially if bond yields are higher so the the tricky part is if bond yields go significantly higher that probably hurt the stock market right so, you know, at that point, they'll have to... Yeah, there'll be a problem, and it'll also hurt the rest of their fixed income holdings. Yes, that's right. So It'll knock them down in price. Yeah, so it's... it's yeah, tough. It's, it's tough. I mean, you know, uh, there's no free lunch, and in fact, there might be a reduced lunch. Right, and a lot of these pensions, you know, other uh, institutional investors... Uh, They'd gotten used to interest rates being somewhat higher. They weren't, you know, too high. But even if you go back to the 90s or early 2000s, they weren't extremely low either. And we had a period where the stock markets kept going up. So, you know, they were in a good spot. And then we had the financial crisis and interest rates went to, you know, almost nothing. Right. Uh, the yield on the 10-year went to 1.35%. So I, I think that really, uh, you know, made things difficult for uh, one of the ways that we try to deal with this problem is we assume that every investor is trying to create his or her own personal pension plan right that's basically what they're trying to do when when they uh, put money into a 401k or uh, an IRA or or some other kind of uh, fund like that they are uh, trying to create a personal pension plan which will pay out over their lifetime and give them income uh, 
to uh, use during retirement. And uh, so we're trying to handcraft uh, a pension plan for them out of stocks and bonds that uh, we hope to pay out uh, 4% or better over a long period of time. Now, that doesn't sound like a very high payout, but that's the best payout you can come up with to not liquidate, not end up liquidating your own pension money, your own personal retirement money. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, the most important part and what we really try to do is keep that principle intact uh, over time um, and, you know, invest in such a way that the income that uh, investors re receive uh, also grows over time because, you know, another thing that we have to really pay close attention to is inflation over time. So you don't want just a fixed income, but you want a growing fixed income. Uh, and that's that's what we try to uh, create. Yeah. And, you know, you're not going to get a growing income from bonds. Right. You're going to get a fixed income from bonds. It'll it'll be the same as it is, you know, next month as it was this month, as it was three months ago, as it will be in three years. Right. You're going to get the same return. With dividends, you hope to get a better return over time. Stay with us. You are listening to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh Mashru. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. It's the decision which will impact our country for decades. Judge Kavanaugh is a Supreme Court nominee. And everyone's got an opinion. Join the conversation. I'm concerned about my grandchildren. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree, Jr. Our firm, Dupree Financial Group, has been engaged in the management of retirement investment accounts of our clients for nearly 14 years. My personal time in the investment business spans 40 years. We bring experience to the table in managing your retirement dollars. If you would like a seasoned and experienced manager to handle your investment portfolio, then give us a call. To schedule a complimentary review of your retirement investments, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 or send an email to info at dupreefinancial.com. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays at 7 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and DupreeFinancial.com. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Adarsh, um, you know, we are daily uh, investing money for people. And we try to uh, keep up with uh, what's going on in the market. We run a portfolio which is not as exposed to the Dow Jones and the S&P 500 as some others. We've got quite a bit of fixed income 
in there, which means we have some bonds, and we also uh, have um, uh, dividend-paying stocks, which tend to be more like a fixed-income security uh, than um, growth stocks. And some of the things we buy have reduced liquidity. They're not as liquid as some other items might be. Uh, you know, they they don't trade with as much uh, with as much uh, liquidity and uh, rapidity as other types of investments. But we do our research and we we try to get into what's behind the securities that we're investing in. How does one try to get invested in this day and age, uh, seeing that interest rates are so low and uh, the stock market is so high? Uh, so, you know, it doesn't give you really overt cheapness on either end of the spectrum, whether it be stocks or bonds. You know, you're, you're looking at stocks that are expensive and bonds that tend to be expensive also. How does one find a way to invest in the middle of all this? Right. You know, and that that's a very good question and, you know, something that, uh, you know, the time that we are in as far as the yields and bonds, the price of stocks is perhaps like any other time, you know. I mean, even during the last financial crisis in 07, 08, uh, bond yields were still higher than where they, they are now. You know, you could put your money in a CD, you could put your money in high-quality bonds and still get a decent yield and not, you know, have to worry about stocks. And when the market did uh, drop in 08 and 09, bonds actually did pretty well. This time around, you know, it's the opposite. Yields are already so right. low and bonds are so expensive. So how do you invest in that environment um, I think when you assess all the different tools that you have, you know, assuming that you have to invest because your money cannot be stagnant. I mean, one option is always just to stay in cash, but then yeah. you have to worry about inflation eroding your uh, returns. Uh, the other option is something that we try to do is not to just invest in the broad index. You can't just put your money in an S&P 500 index fund. But you could uh, be more active and pick sectors or pick stocks that have a higher dividend than just the S&P 500 right. or, or have lower valuations. Uh, you know, the S&P 500 may be valued, you know, at 20 or 21 times earnings. But if you there are a lot of great companies out there uh, which have been out of favor and are valued at, you know, 10, 11, 12 times earnings. Uh, so that's one way uh, of investing, being active, not just putting your money in the whole market. Um, same with bonds. Uh, you know, you could actively buy bonds which uh, are not, uh, you know, government bonds. They're corporate bonds, uh, but, uh, you know, that have higher yields. Uh, so that's one way, and that's what we try to do where uh, our approach is more active and we try to select securities that uh, are cheaper relative to uh, their benchmarks and uh, are also, in our assessment, 
uh, safe enough where you know despite their cheapness uh, th- they will still do well uh, over time uh, i think the key is to always stay diversified um, especially uh, you know when valuations are what they are so despite bond valuations bond yields being low um, you you should still have some investments in bonds because yields could get even lower right and, and you need to have dry powder in case um, some of the stock picks that you wanted to buy get cheap yes absolutely so <clears throat> in a portfolio bonds play a role despite whatever they're whatever they're yielding uh like you said dry powder uh you know when bonds were yielding three percent you know everyone thought that was extremely low it couldn't go lower but you know they went even lower one and one and a quarter yes 135 and we've seen in europe they've gone to zero uh yeah and negative (laughs) right so uh uh, so you cannot discount uh, bonds just because their yields are low. And secondly, when it comes to equity, you know we've seen this move towards just blindly indexing. You know that uh, has worked because markets have kept going up. But as markets become more expensive, it's important to perhaps be more uh, selective in what you buy. There are always opportunities but you have to be selective uh, and you have yeah. to pick good companies. And for more sophisticated investors or investors that are what you would call high net worth in- investors, there are other options there. There's private equity or hedge funds and other alternatives uh, which are doing But that's not well. guaranteed to do it, it's not well yet. for you either. Yes. I mean, the only thing that's what you would call guaranteed is, you know, uh, U.S. Government uh, bonds, yes, so uh, which are not yielding much. So risk uh, has to be taken, but risk has to be manageable, and uh, you have to take risk after doing your uh, assessment of what that risk is. How do we assess risk? So the best way to assess uh, risk, and the textbook definition of risk is you know there are two def- definitions of risk one is standard deviation uh which means the volatility of the stock uh, and the other definition of risk is the beta which is how well a stock does against uh, its benchmark or how much it moves relative to its benchmark right. our definition of risk is n- not that uh but it is how much we are paying for a company relative to what we think it is worth. Yeah. So say our assessment tells us that a stock is worth $50, but we are paying 30 for it. Despite the volatility of that stock, our assessment tells, it that, tells us that we have enough margin of safety. So uh, despite the beta or uh, some of the textbook uh, descriptions of uh, risk, we may decide that uh, despite that, uh, it's cheap ver- based on valuation. Yes. Uh, and valuation uh, could be uh, a number of things. You know, uh, certain companies like insurance companies, uh, they're easier to value because, you know, their book value is quite uh, tangible. tangible. Yes. And in a lot of cases, pretty liquid. Um, but another way to 
uh, value companies is just its ability to generate future earnings. Uh, so how good a franchise a company has, uh, how strong uh, a product or how good a service the company uh, has. So, you know, oftentimes uh, valuation is not just what you would get when you liquidate the company today, but it is also uh, the potential earnings power of, the, of that company. And that's something that uh, Warren Buffett talks about a great deal. When he was a student of Ben Graham, his focus was entirely on what he called, uh, what Ben Graham called uh, cigar butts, you know, where there's a little bit left, a few more puffs left, uh, but there's right. still uh, some value there. Or buying stocks that were trading at a discount to their net asset value. But after he met Charlie Munger, he realized that those opportunities uh, are not going to exist always. So sometimes yeah. it's important to put value on a business based on on its future earnings capacity. So that's how he right. ended up buying companies like Coca-Cola, American Express, which were not necessarily cheap relative to their book, but they had such a strong moat that they could keep doing well. Uh, when you say moat, they had a, a barrier to entry to the business. Yes, barrier to entry. In the case of Coke and American Express, a strong brand, uh, but it could be technology. It could be just a, a geographic, uh, you know, advantage. Uh, like natural gas, for example, U.S. fertilizer companies did much better than overseas fertilizer companies because natural gas prices were lower uh, in the U.S. And you use natural gas in making nitrogen. Yes. Um, or it could be a utility, you know, uh, just a regulated utility, which uh, is almost a monopoly. So there could be all kinds of moats, uh, but it's important to understand that moat, assess their moat, that moat. And then what you pay matters. You know, if you pay, you can overpay for a good company and then lose money over a long period of time. Right. Or you could pay a good price or a low price for a good company. So Buffett that. once said every company can be a value at a certain price. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the mark... I, and and the thing I would step in here to say we only have about a minute left is that uh, what we're tr trying to do on an ongoing basis is assess these values for our clients and try to decide where we should put the money. Yes, absolutely. Um, and also be flexible. In this business, yeah. it's very easy to get caught up in just the same way of doing things. Uh, so, you know, good investment managers are also uh, flexible, not necessarily just tied right. to the same system because different systems work at different times. Right. Thanks for listening today. Uh, you've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show. If you want to call us about your investment portfolio, 859-233-0400. We're glad to talk with you. It's been the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP.